today on Wine Access Unfiltered. This is a great story. If you've never heard of me, this is a great story. It's, it's a good way to meet me. So um, in 1996, Rolling Stone magazine called me and asked me to be uh, a, like a liaison for them to meet the school of Florida State. And my buddy Blair passed me the phone. We were about to play Frisbee golf. And he said, uh, my name is Eric Hedegaard. I'd like to do an article about Florida State. Your name has been brought up like four or five times by other people, like the president of the school, president of these attorneys. And I was wondering if I could stay with you for like a week and just kind of follow you around. And I exhaled my bong hit and I was like, sure. And he was like, were you just taking a bong hit? I was like, I was. And he was like, perfect. I found the right guy. guy, guy, guy. Well, welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered Podcast. Vanessa, when we started this podcast, do you remember who my dream guests were? Um, well, I know that one of them is a guest today, and yes, I I know that you're excited because you've been texting me nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I've used the word excited a lot in this podcast, and excited. I I, I cannot overstate my excitement. Uh, this is truly dream come true. Not that we haven't loved and been excited about all of our podcast guests, but what, literally when I started this podcast, I had one goal. Somehow, some way, the universe aligned for that to happen, and we've done it. We we got Bert Kreischer on the podcast. I'm over the moon and really, really hoping that I don't fangirl uh, I'm, the heck out of him today. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm legitimately worried about that. I'm I'm kind of I, I, I'm I'm approaching today like I might just have to hold this this together myself because I have no <laughs> idea what Amanda's going to do. <laughs> You're about to see a new side to me. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep it you know calm, cool, and collected because you know we're professionals and it's what we do. And I just think it's so funny. I was thinking the, the other day. As we were approaching the recording for this, I was like, you know, I've served LeBron James, Mariah Carey, Carrie Underwood, Derek Jeter. I mean, like, I have interacted, served, and had conversations with the most famous celebrities in the United States, maybe on the planet. And yet, I have never been more nervous to talk so, to someone today than I have Robert Kreischer. Um, but I think the only thing that really is has sort of calmed my nerves is just knowing what an awesome guy he seems like. And uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really fun show. So for those who don't know who Burt Kreischer is, Burt Kreischer is a comedian, podcaster, and reality television host. Got his start as Burt the Conqueror on Travel Channel and then also did a show called Trip Flip, but now um, has been crushing it in the last few years as a, a, a comedian. He's got two Netflix specials, a Showtime special, famously told a story uh, called The, the Machine about a time he he robbed a uh, robbed a train in Russia when he was in college. Uh, I encourage you to look it up because it's real. I think most people will know that he loves drinking wine. Um, you know, in real life, like on his podcast, he is frequently drinking wine on Two Bears One Cave and and Burtcast. But he also enjoys drinking wine at a treadmill, and also is known for doing a lot of comedy without his shirt. So I'll also be curious about that today. Um, I. I didn't know where to go, honestly, for the wines for this until I had a conversation with him and learned that he <laughs> he's in the process of building a wine cellar. He he's you know wants to get more into wine, and so I felt like we should give him a couple of wines that will help him get on that journey. Well, I think you chose really well because I think to your point, one of these you definitely um, I think of it as like a collectible wine, something you would put in your cellar. But yeah. then one is just a really fantastic wine that um, is from a, a country, not just a region, but an entire country that we have not consumed. 
uh, in mm-hmm. our glasses uh, on the show. So I'm excited to have something new to talk about. Yeah, me too. And they're delicious wines. I've already jumped into them. So I'm not going to hold us up any longer. Let's get into the show. Let's drink. Bert, do you have wine? I do. Yeah, so you should have two bottles. Uh, By the way, are we recording right now? Are we are we started? We can. We, we can just start. Perfect. Yeah, we can start. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm Bert Kreischer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. God damn it. I left cork in here. <laughs> I left fucking cork in here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this, this contraption, this is like one of those electric wine openers. Yeah. You fucking kidding me? And it fucking sucks. It just died. God damn it. <laughs> I got to get I got to get a wine opener. Hold on. Give me a second. I got to get a wine opener. There's one right over here. No, no. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Although I have the really fancy one. I didn't buy it for myself. This is like $350. Seriously. What do you have? Oh, wait. it's really fancy. I got this. Yeah, that's great. That I mean, that's like that's super old school. You've gone from like future to like very, very old school in a matter of seconds. I know. When I worked as a waiter, the rule was the wine bottle was not allowed to touch your body. Oh, the what? You had to do it away from everything. You couldn't like put it on your leg and crank it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's like how you learn. When I, I remember when I first started working in the restaurant industry and I had to open bottles of wine, it was, first of all, it was a terrifying experience to do table side. Yeah. And then I cut myself a million times. And then, when you learn how to do it, you kind of have to like prop it on something like to do it in the air is kind of impossible. So what would you use, Amanda? Your leg? My leg or like I would try to open it at the bar, you know, if I could get away. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like away with it before we hit the table. I mean, this was before I was a Psalm. I was like a glorified host at that point. Yeah. I worked at one steakhouse in, in New York where they wanted us to not open it table side. And that was such a joy. <laughs> it took all that stress out of it. Oh, yeah. wow. But I got fired so quickly from that waiter's job. Tell us more. Uh, well, first of all, I served glasses of wine like this one time. So thumb right in the glass. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> thumb in the glass. In the glass. Big faux pas. Big faux pas. I had a ponytail. <laughs> I was home for the summer. I bought a dog. And my dad very quickly said, do you, said to me, you need to go back to school. I can't live with you. You're making me crazy. <laughs> and so I packed my car, packed my dog, and I went to school. And a big drinker of wine. My dad is a big drinker of wine. So have you carried the torch? Or are you are you a big drinker? I mean, I know I know what I've seen on Instagram stories. I know what I've seen from the podcast. But like you personally, are you a big drinker of wine? Very big drinker of wine. I love, I love wine. And for whatever reason, it runs through my body pretty quickly. I have a rule. If I stay under a bottle a night, which I know sounds a lot to the average person, but if I stay under a bottle a night, I can run five miles in the morning at six in the morning and lift weights in the afternoon and get all my stuff done and have a clear head. Mm-hmm. So that's my kind of my cheap code is under a bottle. It gets tricky, though, because like when you get to that last glass, you're like, why not? <laughs> just one. If we had one rodeo clown bottle that was open for the week, that wasn't that great. So you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and you could just little little top. Just want to take into the bed with you, you know? Yeah. I think that sounds like a great idea. There's half bottles, but that's not the right yeah, size. No, no. The yeah. half bottle just gets murdered in my family. <laughs> Little spliffs. Hey, cheers, ladies. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. It's so good to have you on the podcast. This is very, very dream come true. And I'm excited. I'm trying the I'm trying the, the Lark made. No, 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 no. The Quinta, oh, the Quinta novella. novella. Quinta de Novelle. Yeah. Okay. So two things. One, I know you're not shy about drinking Ooh. wine or any other beverages on podcasts. That's good. Um, but has anyone ever 
required that you drink on a podcast or is this your first time? Uh, this is my first time. So that's a, it's a deal breaker for us, right? Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. That's and, total deal breaker. And I gotta be honest with you. I, I think podcasts are best, uh, with a couple of drinks in you. I agree. I have always enjoyed when like, uh, the other day tied Tom Papa over to my house to do a podcast. I have a new podcast studio and I opened a bottle of wine and he said, I were, I was hoping you'd open a bottle of wine. I said, really? He goes, I just want like a nice glass, that one glass of wine, a little too full poured feeling in my head. And we had a, we had a bottle of wine, had a great podcast. And, uh, and I think, I think you're a little more comfortable talking. Uh, the average person is more comfortable talking mm-hmm. yeah. with a little booze in them. But I know for a fact that all my Burt casts, when there was a period where I would just do boozy Burt casts and we do them at night and I'd bring in like four comedians and we would get trashed and just have a blast and say the most regretful <laughs> things. Like now with cancel culture, you look back at those and you're like, I wish I could just erase all of those, but they're already out there. <laughs> Did you ever listen later and you're like, uh, I thought I was hilarious and I was just, I was just like, you know out of control no oddly enough i am just as funny loaded as i am sober which uh kind of leans itself towards why that's why i don't drink on stage mm. and and because i don't need to but and and then when i get drunk i think i think it's fun and people don't you know oddly enough people don't see me drunk very often like in person in person people don't see me drunk a lot my friends do my close friends do but like and tommy's seen me drunk a bu- tom segura's seen me bunch of, drunk a bunch Joe has um Stanhope, uh, you know, Joey Diaz, my closest friends have. But for the most part, people in the public, mm-hmm. they assume I'm wasted all the time. Well, I mean, and it's just and I, I know. Right. <laughs> and and it's just not it's not it's not how I operate, but I'll take it. I think that's a good thing. Like, I, I hope someone always thinks that, like, I'm just having a grand old time all the time, whether or not I'm drinking or not. That's like a really great way to operate life. Yeah. I really enjoy this wine, by the way. Ooh, good. This, yeah. Good. We selected two, as we always do. Um, the one that you're drinking right now, the, that's the Consident of All. That's the yep. that's actually from Portugal. And we have not had any wines from Portugal. On the podcast. But no. I selected it because one of the things, yeah, on the podcast, yeah, sorry, on the podcast. Um, one of the things that you told me, which which I have to say has really stuck with me, and it's when you're shopping for wines, you buy one that's 20, one that's 40, and sort of go by the label, the label that kind of like looks the fanciest and is generally from Europe. And I was like, well... This is $38 and it's from Portugal and it kind of looks pretty fancy. I was like, I feel like if Bert were shopping, yeah. he'd like grab this off the shelf and pick it up and it would be something really cool. So that's why we picked that. And then the other one is the really fancy one. We try to always do like, well, not always. We try to do highbrow, lowbrow sometimes. Yeah. And the other thing you had mentioned was you are maybe in the process of building a wine cellar. And so as I as I got to thinking about yes. Bert Bert's wine cellar, I was like, you know, what would that look like? And we talked about some of the things that you really enjoy drinking, which we'll talk about on this podcast, um, sort of on the daily. But then I was like, well, what, you know, what if you want to break something out that's like really fun and fancy? Um, how does one go about doing that, you know, when you're first starting to put together together that cellar? And one of the ways that you do that is you buy the old stuff already that's really, really good, stuff that already has age mm-hmm. on it. And then you buy the that same wine new and you let that sit. So we've got a 2010 Lark Needs Solari, which Whoa. is ready to go right now. And now you can buy like, you know, more fancy stuff, probably a little less expensive and just let it sit for a while and you can drink the stuff that's ready to go now. Yeah. So that was the wow. process. You know, after that conversation, my wife has fully committed to a wine cellar. Yes. I love that. Oh. Like fully. And and said, you know, Bert's got a hookup where we can do a wine cellar and we can get good stuff. Yes. Like we can get good stuff. And then and then she got so into it 
the other day, I, I almost tried to call you uh, uh, <laughs> two nights ago. Anytime. We spent $1,000 on wine. Yeah. Buy one bottle, get the other bottle for five cent sale. Okay, great. But do you know how I, you know how I chose the wines? I would love to know. I don't know. The same way you do it in a cigar shop. Whatever box is the most empty, those are the good cigars. That's what the the, the people know. So any Ooh, wine that's actually a really good hack. Yeah. So any wine who had like one bottle left, two bottles left, those are the wines that I picked. That's so smart. And I I didn't even look at prices. I just went and grabbed anything. And then if there was something that was like totally empty, I'd be like, "Do you have any more of these in the back?" And they'd be like, "I'll check." And so that was how I selected the wines. That's kind of brilliant. I actually I saw this like this haul that you guys did on IG stories, and I love that. Leanne had two bottles of champagne in her shopping cart and you had like all the rest. <laughs> I had two cases. I bought two cases of wine. That's great. Have you- I love it. So anything that you've opened that you're like, this is actually pretty good. Uh, the one we had last night was actually really enjoyable. I'll tell you exactly what it was. It's still in my stories. Yeah. It's so funny. Last night I posted um, Firestone Merlot. Oh, yeah. This is Santa Ynez. Is this the one? Oh, yeah. This is the one you posted because this is you had this with like a very delicious looking spread of yeah that one looked delicious yeah if for anyone listening you should go look at it so leanne got a made a loaf of rosemary bread nice speaking of tom papa and (laughs) we made some we had uh these great they have these great things in the store i don't know if you guys i'm where you are um salami and pepperoni wrapped in cheese wrapped cheese and cheese and then we had a little avocado with some balsamic vinegar in the middle and so like everything i do it's always funnier when I am not trying to be funny. Like when I'm trying to be funny, I'm still funny. But like when I'm being serious, that's when I'm the funniest, right? And so last night I typed in, uh, this was my thing. I said, it's not about hard work. So I've been working my ass off lately. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, literally up at six in the morning and then I work until like seven o'clock at night. Um, I wrote, it's not about hard work. It's not hard work. I believe in it's treats. And that's how I live my life. (laughs) If I can have treats at the end of the night, then I can bust my ass. And then I thought, what a brilliant hashtag. Work hard, get treats, right? <laughs> so I use that hashtag. But if you look at that hashtag, that is also someone <laughs> oh God. who works with animals. That is the mentality you have when you work with barnyard animals. Oh <laughs> work hard, get treats. Get treats. So, as soon as you said I'm treats, I thought of like a dog. Yeah, every post is someone at a farm working with a horse or a goat. Work hard, get treats. Yeah, (laughs) all the posts. And I'm like, that makes total sense that my brain is a barnyard animal brain where I go, (laughs) if I get a carrot at the end of the day, like it's such a, I'm such a moron. Humans are animals. So, okay, so you're up at six, you're working until nine for treats. So what does that look like? Are you writing? Are you recording? What is, what is this hard work that's happening all day? So I have, I have a really big project I'm working on right now that I can't talk about, but uh, so the majority of my work is based around this project Uh, this morning, this morning, you want to, by the way, um, a glass of wine makes so all conversations better, doesn't it? It's the whole premise of this podcast. It slows you down a little bit, just enough to (laughs) get, get famous people on, make them drink wine, tell stories. Yeah. So uh, this morning's my last dream I had right when I woke up, me and Kid Rock. Nice. It was it was about five fifty nine in the morning. Me and Kid Rock were uh, hanging out backstage, and he lit a joint and cracked a beer. And he said, "I know you're friends with Chris Porter." I said, "Yeah, he's a good friend of mine." He's like, "He's a good friend of mine." I knew I know Kid Rock. Kid Rock and Chris Porter are good friends, and so I, I kind of pl- slow rolled it in my own dream. I slow rolled this conversation, <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I know. Uh, I know you guys are close." And he goes. uh, 
You want to party tonight? I, by the way, I really want to party with Kid Rock. I really want to party with him. Have you ever, have you ever met him? No, I never even met him. And so uh, he lights a joint. And as he lights a joint, my alarm clock goes off. And he takes the joint, looks at me, and he goes, are you going to get that or are you going to stay here? And I go, fuck, I got a busy day. I got to get it. And I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I have very lucid dreams. I have very lucid dreams. That's very lucid. So I get up at six. I, uh, I'm i in this new phase where I, I, I'm not, this is going to sound horrible. Everyone who knows me knows I'm not a huge shower. I don't like showering. Yes. I like to get in a pool. Yes. I'm a, I believe in pool showers. Um, I be- also believe in outdoor showers. I believe in, I like, I like cold. I don't like hot. Okay. So, but lately, because I'm working out twice a day, I have been getting in the shower first thing in the morning to wake up and loosen my body up because my body's really tight. Mm-hmm. So this morning at six, I got up, I got in the shower. Um, I started a coffee. I get out, I kind of slow roll it, like go, go through all the Instagram stuff, Twitter, newsfeed, sitting out there, half laying in bed, half sitting out there. And then around 6.30 is when I start my day. I, I get on the treadmill. I run five miles in the morning, walk one, run four, and then hopped off. I had a Zoom uh, meeting at eight in the morning. Uh, I had a Zoom conference at nine in the morning. I had a haircut at 10. Got my haircut today. Nice. Um, I had a COVID test at 11. I had a, um, a Emmys panel at noon. Oh. Uh, I had my trainer. I had a meeting at one. I had my trainer at two and I had you guys at four. And then I, my daughter has a golf tournament and we're going to Calabasas tonight to greet her. It's her first golf tournament. So uh, two families, since they've opened outdoor dining in LA, two families are going, we're outdoor dining in Calabasas uh-huh. and uh, having dinner and, and listening about the golf tournament. And, uh, and then I go to sleep and then tomorrow my day starts at, at uh, eight on zoom. And then I have my trainer at nine. Uh, it's, it's just every day. It's like one, at one hour increments and it's a uh, big day. everything's been big. I, I have, a, it's been really crazy lately. You're always busy though. You know what? You're always busy. It's so funny. I'm so lazy really in life. I'm really, <laughs> I'm a lazy person. Like when I first, you don't seem it. I, I know, but I think that I think I've morphed into, I think I always wanted to do something. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And so like in college, I, I wanted to do stuff. I just didn't know that I, there were passions out there and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. And then when I found comedy, I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. But then you you do it, but no one will let you do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then and then once you get to a place where you can do it all the time, I don't understand someone who doesn't, <laughs> who doesn't keep their foot on the yeah. met pedal 24 hours. I mean, even when, and I apologize, I'm talking so much. Don't apologize. But even when the uh, COVID stay at home order started, I was like, I'm not going to stay at home. I just had a special that came out. I'm touring. Yes. And so I started this drive-in movie theater tour that uh, a lot of people adopted. I think it would have happened even if I didn't come up with it. I started, I was the first one to do that. I did like, I think 40, 50 cities. Yeah. And I just, I just, I'm not someone who stays idle. And that's the weird thing. When you talk about drinking with me, that's the, the part of the key that people don't understand is that like, I love having a good time. I will not live my life if I can't have a good time. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in it, but I also need to get a lot of shit done in order to allow myself to have a good time. Mm. You know, like yeah. I'm not the kind of guy that can just be like, mm-hmm. like I had a buddy whose liver failed and he was like drinking the second he woke up and I was like, huh? I don't, what? Like it just, I, that escapes me Yeah. where I go, you did that? Like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just 
be a little healthy, and then you can do it for the rest of your life. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we, so you need to feel like you earned it. That is, if you're going to tap anything on my chest, I got to earn it uh, in everything. Marriage, like I'm not the kind of guy that can, I mean, I've talked about this a ton, but, and so I'm not like virtue signaling, but I'm not like a cheat guy. I'm not like, yeah. like I, I find so much value in uh, honesty and, and uh, like, I find so much value in knowing that my relationship's pure with my wife, mm-hmm. that, that when I cuddle with her in bed on a Sunday morning and we giggle that I have no secrets, like shit like that. Yeah is like I find super big value and earning it is like, that's why I run every morning. And then it also shakes my head up. It wakes my head up, you know? Is your head kind of always going? Just always seems like there's like, there's just juice all the time. Like you're just always thinking about something new and creative. And even this like drive-in idea, I was reading the thing that you posted about, uh, I think she's your manager, um, is Judy. Judy, Judy Marmel. That whole thing. And it was like, you know, it was your idea to do these drive-ins. And it just was like, you're just the kind of guy that's so, or at least it seems that seems just so hungry and creative and it like, it just never turns off. I was a guy that had a million great ideas. I know. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) That's true. I was a guy that had a million ideas and no one wanted to do any of them. And I, I like, I wanted to do, I've always had, I've always been an idea guy. And then now I'm at a place when I have an idea that they're not crazy. Like they're, and by the way, they're very crazy. My ideas are very crazy. Like I have, let's hear some, uh, uh, the monkey fist fork. Like I've been wanting to reinvent the fork for years. Like I've been like, I don't like the traditional fork. Okay. Like it just seems so uh, uh, no, like just like a three prongs into the mouth, like salad falls off it. Yeah. So I wanted to do monkey fists, like a little monkey fist steel, right? Steel with a trigger on it. Okay. And it could grab your salad and then put it in your mouth, release your salad. And then, so like, that was like a silly idea. Okay. I'm going to give you all my dumb ideas and I'll give you my good ideas. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. I wanted to open a bar called Rick Shaw's Rick. Shaw's, but I wanted to have five rickshaws sitting out front of it on Ventura, right? Okay. So you saw these rickshaws. And then the rule was if you lived within like half a mile from rickshaws, we'd pick you up in a rickshaw and you didn't have to drink and drive. Oh, I love that. And then I was like, but yeah, but what would what it would do is it would make like a, a local bar feel. Yeah. Like like we don't have that in LA where you that's your bar. And it's your bar because you know the dude that's picking you up in a rickshaw. Yeah, that's awesome. And how much fun would drunken rickshaw rides home be every night? You'd go to rickshaws just for the ride home. <laughs> I'm definitely into it. And I feel like I feel like there's something there. Especially yeah. you know, not drinking a jar. I love that. We have Ernie's in California, which is like this little if you're ever back in in like the Sonoma area, they do that. It's like a, it's like Ernie's bus will like, you know, just in that area, you, you know that you could just pick up. And that place is like 10 in the morning, guys are there drinking. All they do is beer and like cider. And there's like taxidermy on the yeah. wall and like an old, te- it's my favorite place in the whole world. It's, an auto, it's like an old garage shop, but it's like that. I feel like you should model it after Ernie's. I came up with an idea one time. I was on the treadmill. I was watching um, on Netflix. They had a they were talking about the Challenger explosion, which mm. which I'm I'm 48, so it was really heavy to me because I remember being outside Latin class eating nachos when it happened. We you know back then in Florida, they we'd watch shuttle launches every time a shuttle launch came up, we'd watch it. And I'm watching it, and I came up with an idea. I was like, oh, Tom and I should do a movie called Fat Astronauts, <laughs> right? About two fat guys who get sent to space. And what's crazy is now in my at this point in my career is I I say that to Tom, and then people hear it, and next you know there's like five meetings set up and people are like, I want to make this movie. It's a great idea. And, but, but the problem is I've always been that guy. Yeah. Like I've always been the guy that came up with a million ideas. And, and by the way, 
some really aggressively bad ones. Like <laughs> I remember Spike TV asked me, they were like, we're looking for something out of the box. I was like, I can give you out of the box. And they're like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do a TV show called, can I kidnap your kid? Oh, and they're God. like, what? I go, here's the deal. I will try to kidnap your child. Like it's a game show. Yeah. Like you can't do anything different. I'm going to try to kidnap your kid. We're going to see if your kid is, is safe. We're going to find that out. And then if I can kidnap your kid, that's when the game show starts. Your kid's not going to be really kidnapped. He's going to Disney World with grandma and grandpa. He's going to have a great trip. But that's when you've got to negotiate the money to, to get the safe release of your kid. Like, see if you can get it from the bank. Do you do the drop? Do you call the police? How do you do this? And can you get the safe release of your kid? If you can, you win the money. And Spike TV stared at me and they were like, <laughs> that is, no, I would, we'll never do that. And I was like, well, you said out of the box. I mean, as a father, do you feel like, like, and if someone did that to you, would you be okay with it? Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? A hundred percent. If someone said, you're going to play a million dollar game show. Can I kidnap your kids? I'd be like, it's Isla. Go for Isla. Just so you know, that's the one you want to get. Poor Isla. <laughs> she, I walked in. Why her? She's such a different human being. She really is a different, like just operates different. The other day I walked in, I, I got to tell this on stage because it's too funny. The other day I walked in, she's doing online learning, right? Mm -hmm. So she's on her computer. And I, I see her. She doesn't know I'm looking at her. She's in class and I watch her go, Alexa, what year did World War II start? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Isla. She was like, oh, I didn't know you were here. She's taking a test. Just Alexa, what's seven plus five? Oh, my God. That is so funny. Yeah. She's a very different, different human being. But uh, but yeah, I'd let him kid, try to kidnap my kid, of course. What do you think you do? What's the move? What? What's the move? What would you do? Oh, how would I get him to safe release? Yeah. Yeah. I'd follow the kidnapper's rules. A hundred percent. I would not involve the cops. I would trust the kidnapper. I would say, listen, you got me. I'll get you exactly the money you want. I will have it. I will do the drop. I'll do it by myself. By the way, you can kill me there, but I need that kid. I need that kid safe. Oh, I think about that sometimes about like, I would never be able to rest. I'd never be able to close my eyes. I would definitely. And I would. I'd be in there at their mercy. I would definitely do that. I wouldn't do the Mel Gibson. Have you ever remember the Mel Gibson movie? It was like, I've got yes, your ass ransom. Oh, what a gangster ass. That was the first rated R movies I ever saw. And I was like, why would my parents ever like let this be the first rated R movie? I saw it like eight. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. I'm like, is this real? I would. I would. It, okay, okay. If we're being real about it, like if my kid was really kidnapped. I would employ my fans. Yes. I would go, hey, guys, your fans would step up. Isla has been kidnapped. We need to find this guy. And, you know, I got lunatic fans like lunatic. Lo like we could. <laughs> I mean, I had a kid call me the other day on the phone and he goes, Bert. I go, yeah. And he goes, is this really Bert? I was like, yeah. He's like, I got your phone number online. I was like, what's up, man? He was like, how come you haven't hung up? I was like, I don't What do you want? He was like, oh, oh, man, I got so many questions. I go, well, ask him. He was like. Oh, are all the comedians depressed? I was like, nah. He was like, okay, okay. I didn't know this was going to happen, man. I got a lot of questions. And then he, he goes, I'm not going to bother you. And he hung up and then he texted me and he goes, I have like nine more questions. Can I call you? And I wrote back, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Blocked. Lost your chance, bud. Yeah. yeah you yeah, you had chance. your shot. I'll answer the phone. If you call me, I'll answer the phone and I'll talk to you. I'll, I will have a real conversation. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to like, I'll be a nice guy. But we got to make it a little quick, you know, like <laughs> you, got, you got a busy day. What about telemarketers, though? I don't answer to telemarketers. And my number got goofed. 
Have you heard no, of that? What is that? What's, no, what's that? So I think I think I'm saying it right. They goof numbers, and that means that they take your number, they use your number as their caller ID. So it's like a conduit to call. Oh. So they call using your number. So people see like Bert Kreischer, and then they go, and the, and it's in my phone, like it's people I know, mm-hmm. and then they answer it, and they're like, "Hello," and it's so, and and I don't understand necessarily how it works, but what ends up happening because it happens to me a ton is that I get calls from the Comedy Magic Club, mm. the comedy club that I'm friends with, and, I, and I'll answer it, and then it'll be someone else, and then he'll call later. I, I don't know the exact, people listening will know the exact terminology and why they do it, but I had to get a new number uh, because of it. I haven't, I got a new number, but I haven't switched over yet. <laughs> well, um, when you do, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of very disappointed fans, because I, I have seen many a call on your podcast where people just like will randomly call you like this is a thing for you. Yeah, yeah, I got I got doxed. Uh, I got doxed a couple times. Yeah, well, what's that? By, I don't know what that is. Doxing is when they give out your na- number and address uh, online, and then you can just find it online. And uh, I've been doxed a couple times. That's scary. I've been doxed, and then I've, do- I've doxed myself a couple times, where you like don't realize your location's on on your Instagram, and oh, you do sad. something at your house, and everyone's like, "I think I know where you live, bro. You might want to take your locations off." That's kind of terrifying, right? Well, like, I mean, you have a family. You know, I definitely, you know me, I'm not a very woke dude. But when it comes to, uh, and I don't mean that like spitefully, I'm just saying like who I am is like, yeah. I'm a pretty big meathead. But that's who I am. And that's, I like that kind of stuff. Like the stuff I like is that meatheady stuff. So like, but I'm I'm always willing to learn. And, and I, I don't think I understood exactly how terrifying life is as a female mm. until i had young ladies like as da- as daughters where um like like i would tag them in instagram posts as a joke you know i'd be like hey i'm doing this i'm tagging my daughter so they can see it and and uh and then we had some issues come up and yeah. i was like i bet and i was like yeah this is the you know comes with the territory and then isla was like dad do you have any idea how many guys dm me asking for feet pictures yeah. and i was like what the <gasps> fuck yeah. And she was like, it's, she's like, men are gross. Like they're gross. Men are super gross. They really are. And you know, yeah. I, I think not I, not all of them, but not all of them, but I think <laughs> most men, most men are just like base level gross, like just base level. Like, yeah. and then when it cu- turns into your daughters, you start really, get, I start getting, I, I got very like, fuck all guys, you know, like, <laughs> God damn it. So, well, you're a good, I mean, you seem like a good guy and a good dad. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm a regular person. Yes. I, I would, I'm not, I'm not one of those like, I try. Here's what I try to do. Here's my broken part is I want to make everyone laugh. So you're going to run in with a guy who like to maybe will talk too much. Maybe will say something inappropriate, like, but not sexually, but just inappropriate about life, you know, but all in the attempt attempt to make you laugh and have a good time. And so that's where my flaws show up. Yeah. But I'm not like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a creep. I don't think I am. So what does it feel like then? Okay. Let's say, I'm sure this has never happened, but hypothetically, sure. you're trying to make someone laugh. You want to be funny. They're not laughing. Yeah. You can't get them to laugh. What does that feel like? Um, That's a good question. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real, it's, it turns into a, a focus for me. A lot of it comes out very insecure. Like you, you, there are people that just, just don't like you, you know, for what you look like and uh, just won't like you. And I think that's when you see this. That's when you see like a, I would say like a sadder side of me. Of my wife would be like, "Let it go. Mm. She doesn't like you." And I'll be like, "Yeah, but she should. Like, I'm not a bad person. Like, we're at a dinner party and I make a joke, you know, that's inappropriate. And and then someone will be like, "Okay, I didn't need to hear that." 
And then I'll be like, now I need that person to like me. I need that person's approval. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the reason I'm a comedian. It really is. And it, and as shallow as this sounds, it's kind of what drives me. If I'm doing a show and there's 3,500 people in there and there's one girl in the front with her arms crossed, not having a good time, I end up doing the whole show to her. Mm. And so I'm glad I care what people think of me. Yeah. Because if I didn't care, I know guys who don't care and they're very callous human beings. It's like almost like watching a bull in a china shop with feelings. Yeah. And they're like, fuck them, fuck them. And you're like, yeah, well, not fuck them. Like, they're humans also. Like, you should maybe, you know, listen to what they have to say yeah. at least, you know? But I think that's also why people love you so much. I mean, you have such a devoted fan base that will, as you said earlier, if Isla went missing tomorrow or were kidnapped, like, those fans would go after her. And it's not because you're not, uh, it's, it's because of all the things that I think you said are, are detriment to in some ways. Like you want people to like you. You you let people in. You 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 are yourself on uh, on social media or you know some version of yourself. So I think that's I overshare. Yeah. I overshare. I, I I regret it sometimes. Like I did a podcast with Tommy the other day, and and we we weren't having a fight at all by any stretch of the means, but we were having a very sensitive conversation mm-hmm. when it started, and I I didn't have a problem carrying on that sensitive conversation, and I didn't have a problem saying things that were definitely overshares and vulnerabilities, Mm. you know, and I don't have a problem doing any of that. I think the world would be a better place if people shared their vulnerabilities and were open and honest about the stuff they're nervous about or the stuff they don't like about themselves. You know, I I would talk about anxiety when I was earlier in my career and people would be like, don't do that, man. Like, don't tell fans don't need to know you have anxiety. Mm. And I go, that's why I drink on planes. And like, just just don't worry about it. And I was like, yeah. And, and then I got in bed last night and I was like, I, maybe I shouldn't have said all that stuff to Tom, or maybe I should have them edit some of that out. Cause like, I'm very, 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 I'm very sensitive. I'm like almost like a mental disorder sensitive. And Tom knows it. Tom's known it as long as I've known him 18 years and uh, Tom Segura. And it's, it's been an issue in our relationship mm. because things will happen to me and I can't let go of them. Mm. And he'll have to like talk me off a ledge. And we ended up talking about my sensitivity and he was like, I wish I could stop it. I, but I can't like you get really upset over things that really don't matter. Yeah. And uh, and then I was like, I don't want to share with the fans that I get sensitive. And, you know, some fans think, oh, this is a joke. This is a bit. Let's see if I can hurt his feelings. And then I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. So I, here's what I, I will say. And I actually I had thought about this a lot before we were recording. You are a human being on your podcast. And I I was thinking about this past year and I left my job. I worked restaurants for a decade. I was somebody at a restaurant and I left to do my own thing. And I, so much of that, like the courage, the feelings that I had when I did that, so much of that came from listening to you after tra- Travel Channel and talk oh. about your, like how your career had just taken a totally different turn, how you were making it happen. And all of that sharing, and I mean this with all sincerity, all of that sharing that you did at that time over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks really stuck with me like to the point where like I thought about you and your journey and the things that you were doing and I was like you know what if Bert can do it if this guy can do it then like here we are I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and I feel really good about it and so I mean I don't know I can't speak for all of your fans but I I am a genuine fan of yours and I think it's because I love your comedy but I also love you as a person and I love that you've shared those things oh that is like the sweetest thing anyone could ever say to me I, th- those were I uh, you know I I I'm I'm obsessed with small details and I remember I remember where I was sitting and how I was sitting when all that happened mm-hmm. and I remember the feelings I had I so distinctly 
remember the feelings of rejection and, and just like hopelessness of like, what's going to, so what's going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I have gotten, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm in a, an amazing place in my career and in my life right now. Mm-hmm. But that time I was sitting literally at that desk. And, you know, one of the things I, I don't share often in that story, and I, I maybe I have, I don't know, is um, one of the things that happened to me. And when for everyone that is listening that doesn't know, I got fired from Travel Channel. We were redoing our house. So I was supposed to be on this big tour with Tom and Joey and Eliza, like I think a bunch of mm-hmm. Fluffy, Sebastian. And I got my dates got pulled. They canceled all my dates. And so I had no work for like for like three months. Mm-hmm. And we were redoing our house and like all this stuff happened. And I'm one of the things I don't share often. And I just out of like politeness, maybe, but I was on the phone with Tom and I was telling him like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't have any gigs. I may mean, have some money. Like I'm good with money for like, uh, I don't, now I look back and I go, I don't know how long I was good with money for, <laughs> but maybe like, maybe like six months yeah. I, I was good for money. I was like, but I'm gonna have to start working again. And I, and he goes, man, it's, it's a bummer that that tour that you couldn't just do some of those dates. And I was like, ah, the money was shit. I was getting paid like 2,500 a weekend. Mm-hmm. And it was like eight shows or something wow. or six shows. And they weren't paying for travel and they weren't paying for room and board. It wasn't like a huge financial loss for me, right. but it was a good opportunity. And I told Tom that, and he goes, wait, you said 2,500. I think it meant 25,000. And I went, no, 2,500. And he goes, you're making 2,500. And I went, yeah. I said, wait, you're not. And he was, and it was like, it was like one of those real conversations. Mm-hmm. He goes, no. I said, but what are you making? He goes, I don't want to tell you. My, by the way, now we're not only are we best friends, but we're also peers. Yeah. Right. And I go, wait, what are you making? And he goes, I, I don't want to tell you. And I was like, Tom, you got to tell me. And he goes, I don't want this to fuck up our friendship. And I made a decision. I remember how I was sitting. I was arms on my knees and I thought, can you do this, Bert? Can you hear how much your friend was getting paid for the same show and not resent it? And I went, I think I can. Because I love, I really do love Tom. I really do love him. And he told me, and his number was higher than I thought for 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 the weekends, but they were paying for his flight. They were flying him on a private jet and they were putting him in a hotel. And I I literally did one of these where you go, and I realized where I was in life and where I was in this business and where I was in my career. And I was shell shocked. I was, I hung up with him and I sat there going, all right, man, I got to fucking fix this. Like I gotta, I can do the work. I can do the work. I can make this happen. And I got to be very clear. I had great friends in place to help me like Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, three of my favorite human beings. I'm ride or die for all those motherfuckers. Those guys, each, each of them, Joe put me on it. Joe, Joe, I can't say enough great things about Joe Rogan. Uh, he put me, we did the end of the world podcast. Me, him, Bill Burr, Doug Stanhope. The four of us did the end of the world podcast the day before my special aired. That was one of the biggest podcasts ever, the day before my special aired. And then Joe had me on his podcast the next day to promote my special. I did two podcasts with Joe within 12 hours. Wow. Joe is that, and everyone canceled on me for that. Bill Burr literally broke down. And he goes, tell me your nut. Give me how much money do you need to make? We can get that for you in ad sales. We can get that in podcasting. You got to focus on your podcast. Tom Segura, to the day I die, to the day I die, that is my guy. I'll tear up telling you how meaningful that man was in saving my financial stability. 
he, I was getting on, I was merging onto the four. I love small details in the story. I really do. Mm-hmm. I was merging onto the 405 from the 101. And he said, what are your downloads? We're talking on the phone. We're talking about sponsorship for podcasts. Mm-hmm. He said, what are your downloads right now? At the time, I was getting like 25, 35,000 downloads per episode on my podcast. And he goes, okay, we need to get it to 50,000. 50,000 was a threshold on a podcast where you get sponsorship at like 1,500, 2,500 per, per ad. Mm-hmm. And he goes, we got to get you to 50 grand. And I was like, okay. And he goes, you just got to, we just got to, you got to really focus on your podcast and get great guests and and all, we'll help. We'll all help. And we got to get you to 50 grand. And he reached out to ad sponsors to, to our ad sales team that I work with to this day. He said, he will get there. He will get there. And I did get there. And this, the day I got there, I got ad sponsorship. And the second I got ad sponsorship, all of a sudden, my, my I, I was so focused on my podcast that it just started growing every week. It was like 10,000 more, 10,000 more, 10,000 more. And then I got to a place where one day I was sitting with my business manager and we're sitting in his office and he goes, so you made this much on your podcast last year. And I was like, wait, that's more than I made on Travel Channel. And he was like, oh, <laughs> never get rid of that podcast. And then all of a sudden, Tom's like, let's us start a podcast. And Bill goes, let's us start a podcast. And then you have three podcasts. And then all of a sudden you go into a pandemic and you go, how am I going to be financially? And your business manager goes, well, how's this going to affect podcasting? And you're like, what? He's like, can you still do your podcast? And you're like, yeah. And he's like, you should be fine. And you're like, I mean, this little this little nurturing, as you guys yeah. know, and you know how important these are to us. This And this is, by the way, this is why I do a podcast like this, because motherfuckers put their neck out on the line, did my podcast when I needed downloads. And I know that a name will get you downloads. And I know that a podcast name gets you even better downloads. Those dollop guys came in. Everyone rallied around me to get me to get me to a place where I could pay for my family without needing to do television. And I, I didn't do television again until recently. I did the Go Big Show. Yeah. And it, I'm telling you, I like, but so when you say that, by the way, when you say that those are all very real moments in my life and it's so heartfelt that, that when you say that it means the world to me. Well, I'm, I'm, should I go to, should I go to the good bottle of wine? You should. I think on that note, we should, we should (sighs) cheers to that because I, I swear to God, I, I made it through COVID, uh, you know, in a, in an amazing way. I mean, we all struggled in, in our own ways during that time, but me leaving, there's a quote, you know, the, the one of the most addictive things in life is a steady paycheck. And I left a steady paycheck. I left it. Oh, don't. Oh, it is so detrimental. <laughs> a steady paycheck can fuck your head totally. up. It really can. Um, And it did. And I, I, there were so many things that you just said that were like, oh yeah. Like I know that feeling. Like I left my job. I gave notice three weeks before coat, like before the California shutdown completely unrelated. And I had all, just like you, I had all these gigs lined up. I had speaking gigs. I was supposed to go to Aspen for Aspen food and wine. I had, I was like, all right, I'm good. I calculated it out. I was like, I'm good for six months. If I can get through six months, then I can, you know, I can keep going. And every single thing was canceled. Everything gone. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I got to pivot and like figure it out. And I watched you figure it out. I watched other people figure it out. And I was like, I'm going to figure it out. It's going to happen. And I mean, we're here. So cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. 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 I love that. Thank, and thank you for being on this podcast. I mean, I, I, it's not lost on either of us, you know, Ooh. how, how uh, valuable your time is and, and spending the time with us to drink. No, wine is no, great. no, no. This is, this is, uh, I, I, I love a great conversation. I love the feeling when you get excited about talking. Yeah. And by the way, I genuinely love this yeah. wine. This wine, <laughs> this wine, this wine tastes like it tastes like sweet river brook water. Ooh. Like, like if, if you got if you got 
I remember, I remember a, a dude one time telling me, did you grow up on well water? And I was like, no. He goes, well, if you grew up on well water, you can't enjoy water unless it's well water. And I was like, thank God I never touched well water. Then I had well water and I was like, oh, this tastes like farts. Like, <laughs> fuck this. This tastes horrible. And my wife goes, my wife grew up on well water. She was like, it's like a real poor thing, I think, is if you grew up on well yeah. water. And my wife goes, let me try it. And she tried it. She goes, oh, God, I love this taste. And I tried to I tried to get into it. But there's a certain, like, I don't know what it is, a mineral where you taste it and you go, oh, that's, and this has like a sweet, it's it's almost like a, it opens up the back of your tongue and allows a lot of aromas to get into your your pa- your nasal passage. Yeah. I really enjoy this wine. Well, good. I'm glad. I Ooh. I have to tell you, I I mean, you're a beverage guy, and I have always been impressed about the way that you can talk about anything you're like eating or drinking. And I've seen like even down to like, oh my God, I was laughing so hard earlier today. I was pulling up old clips of you talking to Tom about Kool-Aid. And you're I've <sighs> That clip, if anyone is listening and has not watched the Kool-Aid clip of you guys, of Tom learning for the first time how much Kool-Aid you drink in a day, it is probably one of the funniest things you'll ever watch in your life. But I, it reminded me that like you are a guy who loves beverages and can talk, and you talked about like Pepsi and Coke and like you talk about things in a way that's like very sommelier-esque. So I was really interested to see how you would talk about this wine and you did not disappoint with your Riverbrook comment because- there's this term we use called minerality, and it's sort of a, you know, sort of a weird like polarizing term. But I think this wine has a lot of minerality. There is like like an earthiness, like a mineral water mm-hmm. thing going on in the back here. So well done. I think you know if if comedy doesn't work out for whatever reason, I mean you can come over this side and we'll take you. You know I watch that. What is that? What is that? I'm I'm sure everyone hates it in the wine industry, but that Russell Crowe movie where he buys a vineyard in France. No, I love that one. Um, I love that movie. I love that movie. What is that called? It's like Marion Cotillard and uh, Very Good Year. A Very Good Year. Yeah. No, I love that movie. I, I love any wine movie though. Yeah. They're always so beautiful. I want to live on a vineyard so badly. I fantasize about it but i also you know i here's the weird thing is with my brain i wonder how i'd operate on a vineyard because i know that like to be that guy you got to be able to have wine in the morning have like a sip of wine in the morning and then i don't know if i would end up just partying balls all day long and just being like screw it let's light cigars who wants to smoke blunts today you wouldn't because you'd you'd get so into the like viticulture of it i think it's it's yeah yeah and it's so much work and what you described before is you need to earn it so even though you would be working around vineyards and wine like you you gotta you know bust your butt to to earn it that's really interesting you say so i'm gonna i'm gonna tether that to like who i am today so i have a really hard time like a very micromanagey when it comes to showing comedy to my daughters and my wife and like friends like if if they don't like what i know is good I get really upset. Like I go like, hold on a second. Stop, 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 stop. You weren't listening. You're on your phone. Give it, you got to listen to this from the top. And my wife would be like, baby, I just don't like it. And I'm like, no, it's, it's hilarious. And you're not giving it an opportunity. You're not listening enough. <laughs> and so I assume that if I got into uh, making my own wines, that I would never enjoy a dinner ever again. I'd be like, you're drinking it too fast. You're not doing, you got to wait, hold on, take a bite and then take a sip. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. That is the way you're supposed to do it, by the way. Take a bite, then take a sip. Yep. So you'd be right. You nailed it. So <laughs> might be annoying, but you'd be right. <laughs> I would be annoying as shit. Eventually you'd give up though. You'd just yeah. be like, fuck it. I'm just gonna, yeah. it's fine. Just do whatever you want. No, the wine business is great though. I think you would, I think you would thrive. I would love it. I would genuinely, genuinely love it. I, I, 
I would be curious to know the stereotypes of the guy of the of the men. I say men because I think of myself in this scenario, but I know the stereotypes of the guys who get into the restaurant industry. Oh, yeah. I know that stereotype. And then I would be curious to see which guys pivot over to wine and then get into vineyards because I've I've met some of the guys. And some of the guys have like a a high school football feel. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, big hands. Their dads are farmers, but they're not technically farmers anymore, yeah. you know? Yeah, there's a Napa is it's filled with like generational farmers, but it's also the aspirational ones as well. Like the ones that made a lot of money in Silicon Valley and then they moved to Napa and they're like, Mm. they put a vest on and a pair of blundstones are like, we're doing it. I'm like, but are (laughs) you? But are (laughs) you? But I think that like, I think that you would appreciate and maybe not so much in Napa Valley, but like in any wine country, I think you would appreciate there is people who who are in that side of the wine industry, I'm not talking about some ladies, people that are vintners, people that are winemakers, there is such a groundedness to that sector of, oh, of human. Yeah. They're like totally your people. That is your tribe 1000% because yeah. they don't want to overdo it. They're kind of like you. Like, they want to earn it. They want to be out like doing the things they're working all day long. But I think at the end of the day, like they do it because they genuinely enjoy wine. They genuinely and all the things that that encompasses. And it's not just drinking. It's eating. It's playing. It's swimming in the pool. It's working out. And it's like it's a lifestyle for everyone on that side of the business. Oh. Yeah. Well, and and at the end of the day, it's farming, right? Yeah. And everybody is at the mercy of Mother Nature. So you can have all the bravado in the world. But, you know, she deals you a bad hand. You can't fake that. Right. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I very much enjoy, um, uh, I guess it's horticulture. Is that what it's called? Vit- if you farm? Vit- if- viticulture, if it's wine. Or viticulture, if it's Viticulture. Grapes. Well, yeah. I, well I, I grew marijuana plants. Nice. And I had a lot of fun growing marijuana plants. Like I had so much fun just going in and smelling them and seeing them. And like, I really enjoyed it. I really, really, really enjoyed it. And, and I got way too into it. I ended up buying four plants for me. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, why, why would I just do four? I, if I, I, you can do six mm-hmm. in California. So I bought four more and then I was like, I'll just do eight. And then I was like, and my wife's like, no, you can only have six. So I gave two to a friend and then I was like, oh, we have, we have this group of friends, four friends called the campers. And so I bought everyone marijuana plants. I bought everyone four plants. Everyone got four plants. And then I was like, let's challenge each other. See who grows the best marijuana. I had so much fun growing marijuana. So much fun. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy the harvest. I didn't. I never smoked it. And I didn't like I, I just enjoyed ju- like growing it. It was such a blast. So I think I would really enjoy I would I getting up and going out and taking a look at what you're yeah, growing. Would that's be what I'm fun saying. For me. I think that like I think there's something in that. I mean, maybe not tomorrow, but, you know, at some point I moved from New York City to Napa Valley and I didn't think that I would be OK. Like those first few nights where you literally hear crickets, you're like, what's going on? And then. You start visiting the vineyards and you're like, oh, like this is just there's just human beings and they're like literally one with the land. And I took to it so quickly and I miss it so much right now. I'm on the East Coast and I miss it every day. I miss the smell. I miss I miss walking around the vineyards. I miss checking on the vines like they're it's like you're they're an extension of like your family, like the vines of your family. And literally like, I mean, we'll get teary talking about it. But like when the fires hit Napa Valley, like it's my home, it's the vines, it's the people, it's the place, it's everything. Like, it's just, it. you can't help but to, like, be so sensitive about it. And I think, you know, as someone that is, and you're a sensitive guy, I think that you would really just really appreciate, you know, everything about living in wine country and, you know, being part of that that industry. Because it is just so, like, grounding. So how much money does it take for me to do a small batch vineyard? 
like oh. awesome. Like here's a, here's a, here's a question, right? <laughs> yeah. So I can sell I can sell merch, right? Yeah. So what if I what if I sold like this is and this is what's wrong with my brain is my brain immediately goes to business every time I start going. Oh, how do I get into this? Like I think that's a good thing. But I go. I would love to do two bears, one cave wine. Me and Tom to invest in a and do like our own. I wonder if we. I see you'd want to do. I'd I'd want to do a rosé. It sounds crazy, but a rosé seems like a two bears wine, mm-hmm. like something fun to start. The I just always start off with the two bears rosé. No one fights after a bottle of rosé. Everyone's like, I maybe we go something darker. I think we're done with rosé, but like, uh, or maybe maybe like a merlot. Like maybe it's a good drink, uh, eating wine where you could have steaks with it. Mm-hmm. But like, how much does how much would that cost? Well, it depends what you want to do. I mean, if you want to like buy the land and farm it yourself, that's a different story. But if you just wanted like a two bears, one cave wine, like that's totally feasible. And we could get off this podcast in whatever time we're going to get off this and talk about that because that's a, that's a total possibility. It just depends like how yeah. much input you want right. yourself. Like, do you want to blend it? Do you want to make it? Do you just want your name on the bottle? Like there's different tiers. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. There's There's different levels where you can be as hands-on as you want or completely off. So that's just up to you. See, I have a plan of Tom and I being billionaires. Yeah. And we're running out of time. And so we we got to start really quick. A billion's a lot of money. So we started a sports management company that I think we're going to be in the red in for a while. And, <laughs> and we didn't quite know what we were signing up for. And and uh, and 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 we've we've got some sponsors two bear sports management events going on, but it would be great to have a money-making side of our businesses. <laughs> so I would love to like, I think I, let me call Thomas. See if he's into doing a wine. Let's do it. Hang on. I'll FaceTime. I'll FaceTime him. And then I'll die. I'm very into this idea. I'm also this, this little incident of all, I haven't had this in a million years. It's delicious. Oops. It's delicious, right? Mm-hmm. Tommy. Yeah. Hang on. I can't hear you. Hang on one second. Hang on. I can barely hear you. Are you on? Yeah, I'm driving, man. Are you driving? Okay, hold on. I'm doing a podcast right now. It is called Wine Access Unfiltered. Would you be interested in us doing a Two Bears, One Cave special edition wine? Special edition, just wine? Yeah, we just do a wine, like us do a wine. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm on it. All right. I'll talk to you later. The good thing about you is that any wine works. Yeah. Any, he said, the good thing about me is any wine works. So yeah, you're right. You're just like, is it wine? Yeah. <laughs> we, we want a high alcohol content is what he's saying. Understood. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Where are you guys at this weekend? Are you guys in Kentucky? Omaha. You're in Omaha? Yeah, you know, it's the Kentucky of the North. I'm recording right now, but no one can hear you because your volume's not coming on speaker on my phone. Oh, no, I'll tell you later, man. Okay. I am so glad. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. I love you. Um, All right. So Tom and I are interested in doing a wine. Tom's in. All right. Yeah, Tom's in. We can make this happen. What kind of financial commitment are we looking at? Talking to the right people. Well, I'm not the numbers guy. That's Joe Fish. Um, But no, I mean, I legitimately, this is something that, Well, I will not speak for Vanessa, but I have talked with AJ about this prior because this I'm so glad that you brought it up because in my mind, whenever you're drinking wine on Two Bears, One Cave, I'm like, why do they not have their own wine? They just need their own wine. This is ridiculous. That you yeah, This is how we time. become billionaires. That's what I'm saying. Like every time I'm like, I want to buy merch from you guys. And I'm like, I right, let me just buy your wine. I'm into that. I feel like everyone listening would be into that too. Do you realize what a great billionaire I'd be? Like, I, I mean, like. You'd be the best. You'd be so generous. I, I know how generous a, you are. Oh, I would. I only need a couple. Well, tell us about it. All right. 
First of all, what does that look like? I really, I mean, if we're going to be very honest, I can't imagine living off of $12 million a year. That seems like a lot of money, right? So out of my billion, all I really need, twelve. by the way, 12 is generous, is very generous. My lifestyle is very, I literally had the, the COVID guy come to my house today and he's in the front yard and he was like, I'm here for Burt Kreischer. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I think I'm at the wrong house. I'm looking at this small little white house and I go, that's me. And he goes, you live here? And I was like, okay, man, you can just say I saved money. Yeah. Anyway, I was like, yeah, I don't need much. I don't mean much at all. We were building a new house right now, and it's still not that expensive, in my opinion. And so 12 million, all I need is 12 million. 12 million is a lot of money for the record. And so. You want 12 million a year or 12 million in your bank account? 12 million in my bank account. That's all I need. All right. Like, I know a guy who made $12 million. Let's just call him Sebastian Maniscalco. All right. And he's got a lot of shit. Okay. So uh, that's all I need. (laughs) You just want fun tokens. I got a billion dollars to play with. First off, first thing I do with my billion dollars is I take care of women across the world, not just L.A., not just California. I'm really bothered by the women that have like the bad stuff happening to them in like third world countries. That really upsets me. That really upsets me. And it's upsets me because my freaking daughters bring it up all the time. So that's I, I just clean that shit up right there. I clean that shit up right there. OK, I just go out. I, I'm, I'm dumping. I'm dumping half a billion dollars into making the world a better place. Oh, children, children. I'm taking care of children too. Number one. Women and children are first. All right. Women and children, women and children. That's the first thing we do. (laughs) We're cleaning up the world. They're going to be so happy. Schools are everywhere. Everyone can get whatever they want. And then we're bringing back Shamu. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard Shamu in 10 years. We're we're reopening SeaWorlds everywhere. Just everywhere. I'm tired of these because liberals <laughs> taking away our whales. <laughs> you had me at first. You got it. No, I would. <laughs> I would do comedy for free. I do it in stadiums. I would be such a fun billionaire. I would give so much money away. I would. I like because how much can do you, you just come to Philly and see what ha- like just give money away in the streets of Philly and see what happens? Because I feel like that would be a fun place. I fucking Philly. Let me tell you something. I gave so much money away to Philly and GoFundMe's recently. I've spent probably five grand in GoFundMe's in Philly lately. Really? Like yeah, any- yeah. There was a guy. There was a guy. Oh who- wait, Ch- Chase Unfiltered. Yeah, Chase, yeah. Chase is my buddy. Um, I haven't. I'm, I haven't given Chase any money. Chase right now is going. Wait, hold on. I could use some loot. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Chase. Uh, Chase. Uh, Chase Unfiltered is is my buddy who I worked with. He was my manager's assistant. Okay. And for everyone who doesn't know, he was uh, New Year's Eve. Went out with some friends. Got a little loose. Came back. Tried to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night is what we think, and then woke up on the bathroom floor in the middle in the morning. Was paralyzed from the neck down, just quadriplegic. Oh my god! Terrifying and COVID wow. positive. Also contracted COVID that night, and so I mean it was a horrible way to start 2021 for us because we love that kid, and we've been kind of tracking his journey, and he has been busting his ass in rehab. And by the way, right around that time is when Tommy got hurt. So Tom yeah. reached out to him. Told him, like, f- listen, do the rehab, bust your ass in rehab, and you'll get your mobility back. And this past weekend, he walked up the Rocky steps, and and he was a quadriplegic, and he is walking. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah. I watched it. It was amazing. Yeah. And so it was like the most, like, if you're not crying when you watch that that video, you're, there's something wrong with you. Uh, I, we were sobbing. Yeah. Me and Leanne were sobbing by the end. But uh, yeah, I would be the funnest billionaire. I, first of all, I would probably, I would probably have like a, wildlife scenario in my backyard like i would have like there are these cats i want savannah 
uh, cats. Have you it's ever seen sounding them? a little like a Netflix series from last year? Yeah. <laughs> I won't say which one, but <laughs> I would I would have I would have Savannah cats. They're like cats the size of, size of dogs, and they're they're like really intense. They're not legal in every state. Are they legal in California? Really intense. Uh, yeah, they are legal in California. I would get okay. one in a heartbeat. They're so badass. And then uh, I would have more bull mastiffs. Are these the kind of cats that would kill you? No, 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 no. They're like cats. They're like okay. house cats, but they're really big house cats. Just massive. Yeah, like they they like they can put their paws up on your shoulders type cats. They're the size of a dog. That's big. That's a big cat. Maybe terrifying. But I just I really I really recently have been enjoying animals in a way where I go their personalities. Like when you see your dog in the backyard and he's got this curious look on his face and you go, hey, and he loses it and goes, oh, it's up. Like we have one. Do- we have a bull mastiff that has that has the most expressive face. And last night I was in the pool and he just came out and you could see that this dog wanted to get in the pool, but was scared. And you could yeah. see it in his face. And he was doing it with his paws, like pawing at you, like get over closer, get over closer. I had such a great time with that dog. But that was uh, also anyway. on Instagram stories. It was. Bros before hoes. <laughs> yeah. That's what I told the dog. I had a I had a really great night last night. I made uh, angel hair pasta with yeah. heirloom tomatoes, garlic, and shrimp. I especially appreciated the runny egg. That that's a mo- that's a oh. pro move. Oh, I love a runny egg. The runny that's egg. I, I was like, well, on played, anything, bird. Well played. I'm telling you, I put an egg on everything. I got this company trifecta that has been sponsoring me for eating they send me these meals mm-hmm. their meals are awesome really awesome meals is it like a blue apron thing awesome. or are they already made no they're pre-made they come mm-hmm. pre-packaged all you got to do is throw them in the microwave for three minutes and they are out of this world none of them are over 580 calories and they're tasty mm. but i've been throwing eggs on them a lot that's okay eggs are like 60 egg calories on. an egg it's like nothing yeah oh, by the way i pushed the cork in there? into the into the good wine, I push the cork in, Uh-oh. so I've got a little cork. That's all right. It's we'll an it's you. an older it's okay. wine. It's okay. Yeah. It happens. I you know what I was thinking. This is a, better. It's it will. It's a 2010, and I I don't know how you guys think about vintages, but in my mind I was like, oh, it's not that old. And then I was like, wow, was like 2010 was 11 years ago. Like that's a that's a full that's over a decade. Isn't that Ooh, wild? Let's see yeah. what let, you want to this. You want to do a fun game? Yeah. Grab your iPhone. Mm. Go to your pictures. Yeah. Oh God. Go to years. And let's go to 2010. See what we were doing in 2010. Oh, you want to see the first picture that comes up? 2010. See it. Big fat Tom Segura. He was the heaviest he's ever been. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Tommy. (laughs) I was doing, I just started doing Birth the Conqueror. Wow. I don't think I've got pictures back to 2010. I don't have that. Mine only goes back to 2013. Yeah. These are my daughters in 2010. Oh my gosh. Those lunatics. Oh, you know what's so funny? I jumped out of a plane with Rachel Ray in 2010. Oh, I love that. Yes, that was like a famous moment. People talk uh, about the plane jumping. This is me landing. Oh, my God. We got our puppy Priscilla Aww. in 2010, who's who since passed. But that's Priscilla in 2010. Is that you in that picture? was a great fucking year. Yeah, that is me. Wow. And this is also me. Oh, boom. You've aged well, Bert. Oh. Leanne took that picture. So I have a question. I thought you said earlier you get anxious on planes, but then you jumped out of one. Yep. So how did that happen? So I am an anomaly because I can push through anxiety. Doesn't mean it doesn't take its toll on me, but I can push through anxiety. So like the first time I went to a, what's one that can prescribe drugs? Psychiatrist? Mm, Yeah. Whatever the 
one that can prescribe drugs is the first time I went there, I said, I have, I said, I have a fear of flying. And he goes, when was the last time you flew? And I said, Monday. And he goes, what do you mean you flew Monday? And I said, I flew Monday. I had to work. And he goes, okay, what did you do? And I said, I just got on the plane and I had a drink on the plane. And he goes, and you, and you, you didn't have like a, a panic attack. And I said, no, if I have a drink, I'm fine. And he goes, and you don't have a fear of flying. Like people that cannot get on a plane have a fear of flying mm-hmm. people that where it inhibits mm-hmm. their life. And I was like, oh, and so I can do anything and I have done anything. I've jumped out of planes. I've jumped off buildings. I've, I fought a bull. I fought a bear. I've swam with great white sharks in the open water. I've done everything there is to do. I've played professional football, professional hockey. I was an MMA fighter for a day. I've done everything for television, but I have a fear of it. So I wake up that morning. It's crippling. I mean, crippling. I remember jumping off a, uh, a rope swing in New Zealand and it was like a 535 foot free fall. And I woke up that morning sweating. I was sweating in bed. I was sweating. And I got in the shower. And I remember sitting like uh, I a lot of times if I have big stuff going on, I pray in the shower. And so I crouched down to say my prayers. And I was like, I was looking at the drain. And I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to be here. And I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do for a living. I was like, I don't want this feeling. This feeling sucks. And I can't get on top of it. I can't get around the corner of it. And I was like, I just want to be a comic. I just want to tell jokes. Like, how did I end up being the guy that jumps off a free fall? This, by the way, 536, I think 36 feet is an aggressive free fall. That's not. It's a very aggressive free fall. And I was, I mean, I was torn up. I tried to go for a hike that morning or for a run. I tried to have breakfast. I couldn't eat. I couldn't have coffee. I'd be I'd be a nightmare if I have coffee. And I definitely am not the kind of guy that can just start drinking. If I had started drinking then, it would have gone away. But I, I'm not that guy. Yeah. Like I go, you you just deal with it. And then I jumped off it and and I was fine. And you feel amazing that after that. But I just barrel through it. My dad wrote me like the sweetest email one time. I wish I could find it. It's like one of the best emails I've ever gotten in my entire life. I had to jump out of a plane in Montana. It was the second time I jumped out of a plane. And then we were going to ride motorcycles from montana to sturgis and my dad was so upset and then he wrote me this email going like you're my hero like the fact that you're afraid of doing this and you can get through it and you can push through your fear like a lot of people can't do that so i can push through fear but i do just have anxiety you know like just and covid was a nightmare because it was just like this general anxiety where i always felt like i was about to get sick Mm. it just took away from the fun of everything so. You still did. You did the drive-ins, and you got around during COVID. Yeah, but then yeah. what? What you don't know is like uh, on the ride home, you start going great. So I I got it mm-hmm. right, and I'm now bringing it home to my family. Yeah, and so like yeah. you're in Colorado, and you wake up, and you're like, I don't feel good. I, I'm, but you've been partying for like 13 days straight. Yeah, staying up until five in the morning, eating edibles drinking booze like crazy eating like shit i would give them 200 bucks and go go to mcdonald's and surprise us and then <laughs> and we would have 200 worth of mcdonald's that we'd eat throughout the week like we just keep eating mcdonald's and then we do mashups we do mashups and go all right who can make the best sandwich out of a mcdonald's cheeseburger the just the buns and we take all our leftovers and ma- i mean we were like lunatics gaining weight like crazy but yeah, and then I'd have panic attacks and f- afraid that I was going to bring it home to my family. And then I, and then, and then my brain goes, oh, okay, let's do a workaround. Let's get a, a beach house, right? Yeah. For like four days where we all crash there, start trying to eat clean, drink a lot of water, still partying, but we quarantine there. And then we started quarantining there. And that took the, took the spin off of it a mm. little bit. It was more fun. Well, I'm glad it all worked out. I, 
it looked like it was a little bit of fun. I missed the drive-in that was here in Philly, but uh You didn't you didn't miss anything. It okay. was it, it was insane. It was like 2000 cars. It was at the vet where the vet you used call to be. You called the so vet. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Old and guard. it was I told a joke to a guy that was a quarter of a mile away from me. Oh man. Was that rough? Was that hard to do? I mean, I know it was, you know, successful, but was it difficult as a comic? It's obviously not the foot you want to put forward. I've very quickly realized we're in a unique situation and I'm offering, and I, I'm not saying this like, like, uh, like a humanitarian, but I'm saying I was offering an opportunity for people to get out of their house in a safe way yeah. and to just do, just be regular again for a little bit it was like all I was offering. I think people are appreciative that they had that opportunity. Absolutely. Um, I don't, I don't think it would work right now. And it was like, you know, it was like a flash in the pan, lightning in a bottle moment where people were tired of being in their houses. And, and I know that I was, and it was bad. It was freaking amazing. It was yeah. a really great life experience. It was a sold out show. I, I went to go, I ended up being in Philly when I didn't expect it. And I went to go get tickets and it was sold out. And I was like, good for Bert. Um, I'm supposed to remind you of uh, a bottle of wine, a notepad, a beautiful dinner, and something about a Nina Pinter or Santa Maria situation. Wow. <laughs> Hell of a segue. <laughs> so uh, oh, I'm going to get emotional. Oh, okay. I didn't expect that. Oh, this is like, this is like, this is a, I'm so, you caught me off guard. I told that to you. I didn't think I would, I, I just forgot. I mean, I just forgot about it. So um, in 1996, Rolling Stone magazine called me and asked me to be uh, like a liaison for them to meet the school of Florida State. This, by the way, this is a great story. If you've never heard of me, this is a great story. Like, th like if you've never heard of me, this is a good story. It's it's a good way to meet me. And so I answered the phone. I was taking a bong hit, and uh, my buddy Blair passed me the phone. We were about to play frisbee golf, and he said, uh, "My name is Eric Hedegaard. I'd like to do an article about Florida State. I'm looking for someone to kind of show me around, someone that knows a lot of people, and uh, and doesn't just know like his group of friends. And that your name has been brought up like four or five times." by other people like the president of the school, president of these fraternities. And I was wondering if I could stay with you for like a week and just kind of follow you around, kind of shadow you. And I exhaled my bong hit and I was like, sure. And he was like, were you just taking a bong hit? And I was like, I was. And he was like, perfect. I found the right guy. <laughs> so, so Rolling Stone follows me for a week. And then uh, I hear nothing at all. I don't know what's going on. They sent a photographer down this guy, Nitin Vaducal to do some pictures and he does some pictures. And I, I'm hoping I'm just in the pictures. Like I'm like, I would love to be mentioned in this article because I did walk around the guy around for a, a week. Mm -hmm. Um, he's he lived with me. He stayed at my girlfriend's house. Like I, I party with this guy. We got him to smoke weed. He hadn't smoked weed in like forever. And he's like, You can't tell anyone about this. And I was like, well, I won't. <laughs> All right. So uh I don't know what I'm gonna do. I now for those of you also listening, I uh I was in college for six and a half years and I didn't have any direction. I didn't know what I wanted to do, I didn't have any passion, I didn't have any interests. And my uncle is a big, big wine collector, big wine collector, like a ridiculous, I mean, a ridiculous collection of wine. He's a politician in, uh, in, he's not necessarily a politician. He's in politics in Washington, DC. He is a lobbyist. He kind of was one of the first guys to start the whole practice of lobbying back in the seventies and eighties. And so um, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's it's spring break. The article is about to come out. I don't know that. 
And, and everyone in my family is like, what are you going to do when you graduate? What are you going to do when you graduate? And my uncle Jerry um, is my uncle Jerry. He says, well, why don't you come up to Washington and you can interview with my company and maybe I can get you a job as like a, as like a lobbyist or working in politics or something. You can meet with a bunch of people. So I go up to DC for the first three days of my spring break. And, and in this time, the article is getting ready to come out. The articles are they're, they're like, going to press and there and i don't know that but it's going to come out in like a week i just don't i don't know anything about that and um but they're hitting me up and they're like hey can you clear these people in this picture can you get us their phone numbers and i'm like yeah so i'm getting people phone numbers and then they send like a package of like of like the pictures they want to use and i'm in all of them like i'm in all the pictures and i'm like wow and my dad's like buddy i think you're going to be in this article and I was like, that's crazy. Now, now, a little sidebar to this. The the year I had robbed the Russian train, the year I robbed the train in Russia, I had gone and backpacked through Europe, and I had met a, a comedy group called The State. They had a TV show on, on MTV, and they're all very, very successful now. Michael yeah. Ian Black, Thomas Lennon, um, David Waynes, Carrie, uh, I think, I, it's a big group of comics, and I'd met them. And I had been very funny, and I'd been funny around them and they had and david wayne has said you should do comedy and and i said how do i do that and he's told me he gave me his phone number and i still remember his phone number to this day and he gave me his phone number and i was like oh cool and so i kind of had comedy in the back of my mind right now but i'm here in dc and i'm like i'm interviewing to be in public relations or maybe a, a lobbyist and i'm doing interviews all day the first day i'm there i'm doing interviews all day my uncle jerry's not there my uncle jerry is a very 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 wealthy man and he says, uh, after all your interviews, I'm, I'm, I'm like two days there. I want you to go down to my wine cellar. It's a glass encased wine cellar. Oh, big bricks, big, big, big old school bricks, like the kind of like bricks that you just don't buy. They don't mm -hmm. make them anymore. Mm -hmm. They're they're all glossed over. And it's this huge wine cellar. I mean, I, I maybe a thousand bottles of wine. I mean, just like, wow. uh, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a room. It's a huge, it's as big as this room, but imagine wine on everything with glass around it. So it's all safe. And then in the center is a table that my uncle bought from one of the boats that came over from the initial group of settlers from Roanoke what? or it's uh, like wow. a million dollar table. It's like either from the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, one of those tables. It's, it's super thin. It's got like three, it's, it's a boat. It's a table you'd find in a boat and like one of those boats. Wow. So it's yeah. got like three planks and there's a, and a thing there. And he says to his maid at the time, by the way, I'm going to sound so white privileged at this. <laughs> this is my uncle. It's not my dad. Okay. It's my uncle. Okay. He says, I picked out a couple bottles of wine for you. Have Rose uh, open one of them and then have your dinner down there. Bring a notepad and kind of go through all the stuff you had go on today. Figure out what you're going to do with your life. My uncle Jerry is. Whew. Wow. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. My uncle Jerry is very. Be. My Uncle Jerry's the kind of guy that knew what he wanted to do and he just did it. That's who he is. So I go down to this table that's a fucking 200, 300 years old. 
There's very expensive bottles of wine set out for me. And Rose, Rose, his uh, for the longest time worked with him in his house, brings my, my ding, brings me dinner. And uh, I have a legal pad that I'd had all day. Oh, fuck me. I have all the notes, the, the people that I met and like all the things. There's no cell phone, right? So you're there by yourself. Mm-hmm. This is going to be hard for kids to understand. Back in the day, you just didn't sit on your phone and look at your phone and scroll. You would have ideas and you would come up with ideas and you think to yourself, they're all internal thoughts and you'd maybe write them down. So I, she opens a bottle of wine and um, I have some wine and I have my dinner and I'm by myself. No one's in the house except for me, Rose and her husband. And they live in a different house. And then she comes down and she's like, are you good? And I said, yeah, I'm going to sit with this notepad and I'm going to um, figure out you know what all these meanings mean and uh and i and she said what about these other bottles and i said oh just open them up i'll drink them all she was like okay so she opens up the other bottle of wine that's my wife and uh i take this notepad and i start drinking wine in this room and all i can All I can write down is comedian. That's it. Right? So that's all I write down. I just write down comedian. Wow. I'm thinking like, how do I, I have like, I have no idea. I'm a fucking kid from Florida State. I have not been in Rolling Stone yet. Right? I just, I just know that I really enjoy making people laugh. And then I met these comedians in Greece, these guys in the state. And then I just want to be a comedian. I just want to be a comedian. That's it. Like, I'm like, how do I do that? Like, and I told the Rolling Stone guy, I was like, I wish I could just be a comedian. I said that in the article. I was like, I'll be the I'll be the funniest guy in the office. Like, I just wish I could be a comedian. But there's you have no idea how hard that is to wrap your head around of like, how the fuck is that gonna happen? Like, I mean, yeah. I'm just some kid. I'm just some kid. And I and then and I just write that. I write that, I write that, I write that. I get drunk in this fucking table that's like literally three panels wide. It's so small. And I get drunk and I go to bed. And the next day I fly to Key West to meet up with my friends and my dad meets me at the airport and he's got all the pictures that Rolling Stone sent them the pictures so I could bring the pictures down, find the kids that I knew and I could show them the pictures. I could sign off on them. And my dad meets me at the airport and he said, how was Jerry's? And I said, it was great. It was awesome. Uh, he said, what do you think you're going to do? And I said, I don't know. I, I had some great meetings. And he said, um, uh, I think you're going to be in this article, buddy. I think this article's. I think this article is going to be about you. I was like, no fucking way. And he said, yeah. So I go to Key West. I party. I have a great time. I come home. We go to like TPC April 1st. I think it's April 1st. The article comes out and, and it changes my life, changed my life overnight. I come, I go to, um, I get, I graduate kind of graduate a little bit. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I have this article that's written about me. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. No one wants to hire me because I said I shit on a pizza box to win an election. I mean, I mean, I've, I've kind of like ruined my life. Like there's no, no one's going to, this is before cancel culture, but no one's going to hire the guy that did not take college serious. Didn't give a fuck about college shit on a pizza box, refused to get an AIDS test. All the things I did in that article are just fucking damning. My uncle Jerry's upset because he's like, he can't, he's not going to have a future. He's not going to have a future. He calls my dad. What are we going to do with this kid? My dad says, I don't know. Why don't I say my uncle Jerry has a house in Naples. This is going to sound so white privilege. My uncle Jerry has a house in Naples. And so I go down to my uncle Jerry's house in Naples. He's down in Naples. I lived in Tampa and we go out. 
we pour two huge glasses of wine in Naples. He lived on the beach. He had a house on the beach. And we go out in like uh, chest high water and have a glass of wine. And he says to me, um, I, th- I, you, I, uh, I, I, you, I, uh, uh, there's a lot of things I regret in life. I'm, I'm trying to paraphrase and, and keep it as simple as possible. There's a lot of things I regret in life. And there's a lot of things that you'll regret in life if you don't follow them. You know, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I think I want to be a comedian. He said, you know, I got home. I saw that legal pad. That's all that was written on that legal pad. Wow. And he goes, huh? He's like, you got to be a comedian. And I was like, yeah, no, no one can do that. And he goes, no one can do anything. Said, no one can do anything. You don't, you, you can, it, it's achievable if you just focus, just got to just go, just do it. I said, what do I do? And he goes, I don't know. Move to New York. Where do comedians live? And I said, New York. He's like, move to New York. Give it three months. Move to New York. Give it three months. And I said, uh, and then what do I do after three months? He goes, call me and we'll figure it out. If, if it does not work, we'll figure it out. And I, um, I said, really? I said, what about my dad? And he goes, I'll talk to your dad. Your dad will figure it out. I'll talk to your dad. And so we finish our class of wine. We go in and, and I call my dad and I said, I want to move to New York. My dad said, I talked to Jerry. Good deal. So I go to New York. I'm Uncle Jerry. And and it keeps coming back and forth. He keeps coming to New York. He's in biz, for business. And three months go by and nothing's happening. And I call my Uncle Jerry. I said, listen, nothing's happening. He goes, give it another three months. And so I give it another three months. Nothing's happening. I call my Uncle Jerry. He goes, give it another three months. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll be up there in a week. We'll go to dinner and we'll have a conversation and we'll figure it out. So we go to dinner, steakhouse in Brooklyn, the fucking good one. And uh, we get done, we go to a restaurant, we have a bottle of wine. And he says, I said, so what am I going to do? He goes, you're going to keep giving it three months until, you're going to keep giving it three months in, in, until you're successful. I was like, what? He goes, that's how it works. You just don't give up. You just don't give up. Oh, wow. It was the, it's so many, so many, so many, so many great, 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 great conversations about your life and about where you'll go and about what you'll do or had over a bottle of wine, over a bottle of wine. Someone opens a bottle of wine and it all of a sudden possibilities are opened up possibilities that'll change your life forever that'll that'll that i'm so grateful you asked me to do this podcast because i don't think i've ever I've been this emotional in fucking a long time but thank you for sharing this story those bottles of wine just get it out of you like they just yeah. they make it real they make it i mean i like i i'm i i haven't talked to my uncle jerry in a while i'm gonna give my uncle jerry a call tonight i'm gonna say hey i tried the lark Lark mead. Have you had Lark it yet? <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to go, oh, shut it. the fuck up. I go, yeah, I did a two and a half hour podcast <laughs> with these fantastic <laughs> women that got loaded me up on wine, got me buzzed and got me crying that I'm telling you, I, 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 uh, that our plan worked. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't look, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to this, if you can get, but, but, yeah, but I, people. this has been, this has been so meaningful to me. I, I sincerely appreciate Thank you. you guys sharing the time with me. I, I, 
love oh my gosh. feeling the way I just felt. I love it. I fucking love it. And I love a good glass of wine. I'm so fucking grateful. All right. Thank you so much. That was so I, I think if I had if I had dreamt it up, uh, which I did, it it never could have amounted to to what this conversation was. It was meaningful to me. I, I it sounds like it was meaningful to you. I can't thank you. Oh, it was fucking awesome. I'm so glad it was awesome. Caught me off guard. You caught me off guard with that <laughs> Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. And I went, oh, shit, I'm going to cry. I'm going to fucking cry. You told me. <laughs> uh, and I love crying. That's that's something I learned when yeah. I had daughters and a wife was that crying doesn't mean you're cheers gay. Here you to, go. Cheers. <laughs> to a successful career and to Uncle Jerry. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you. We had so such much. a blast with you. Uh, I'm going to call. I'm going to call Uncle Jerry. I should call Uncle Jerry right now. Well, this is a perfect way to end the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Um, yes. Bert, Bert, Bert dot com. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, you can find me. <laughs> Don't go me too hard. You may not like it. <laughs> oh, and for those wondering, I, Bert was wearing a shirt the entire time. So it comes off super easy. I'm we're good. <laughs> Success. By the way, I've been working out. A little you bit, have been so working out. Well done. All right. Well, I think Tommy knows. Um, Ladies, thank you so much. I'm going to go uh, have dinner with my daughter after her first golf tournament. Thank you. I'm going to be pouring a roadie out of the lark meat. I can't believe it. Please, uh, please keep in touch. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. I mean, what do you even say I, after that? I, I, I think that's probably actually the longest on any of these podcasts that you and I have just sat there in complete silence. <laughs> but it was so... He's so... Um, authentic you know like yes there's kind of no filter but in a way that's so endearing you know because it's just like I I have to say I haven't often seen anyone uh, on this show or elsewhere let's say just really so express their feelings in a way that's so honest and not afraid for you to like see Mm -hmm. them to really see them I'm I'm blown away I I I'm sure you know I I had high expectations for this podcast I had dreamt of this moment for many, you know, many a night prior to this. And in no way did it go like this. I think so many times we think of our favorite people as just being one thing. And Bert is just so much more than that. He, to your point, he was endearing and funny and relatable and authentic and transparent. And that story he told about becoming a comedian, I mean, I'll never forget it. And I I know that <laughs> we kind of went into this show with the intention of like, let's just open wine and see what happens and have a conversation. But he just, he summed it up so beautifully with that story in a way that I don't think either of us ever could have anticipated or expected. Um, and I, I, I have nothing to say I, I, beyond that. I'm just, I'm blown away. Well, but I have to say, and I feel like, you know, I know you fairly well at this point, but I learned, <laughs> I learned something about you too. I didn't really realize how um, much of a kind of his story was an inspiration to you um, yeah. in, in your path. So that was, this was like a, this was a whole, I feel like this was it's like a full circle it, moment. It was like therapy, but, but not, it was just like, we shared things like the good kind. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind yeah. of exhausted. I'm like, I'm, I'm emotionally exhausted. In in a in a good way, but I'm like yeah, I <laughs> I'm spent. <laughs> I agree. No, I agree. And we, you know, we always joke about after these podcasts. Sometimes we have that you know adrenaline dump where you're 
you're energized, but you still got a lot going on uh, and you want to fall asleep because uh, you're exhausted. Um, and I know that I'm going to be thinking a lot about what was just talked about. And um, I'm I'm so glad that I got the chance to tell him that because it really did. I thought about I thought about him and his journey a lot, you know, as I was sort of contemplating what my next steps were. And um, it never left me. And I I didn't I didn't expect to get the chance to tell him that, but I'm I'm glad that I did. Um, and I'm glad that we had some delicious wines to drink along the way because I think I think that really I think that was the lubricant. I think that was sort of the thing that allowed the three of us to just relax and have a conversation. Um, I guess we'll we'll talk last drops, 2010 Lark Mead Solari. I mean, did it do its job or what? Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, I I feel very fortunate that I've had this wine before. So it it has never disappointed me. And I feel like, yeah, today it's just showing that that beautiful kind of the full spectrum of having some some maturity to it. So we're getting this sort of beautiful mm-hmm. depth, like the base notes and the treble notes and everything in between. It's a it's a gorgeous wine. And like you, this was not my first time having it. But I I will remember this wine differently now as a result of having consumed it during this podcast. It will have a different meaning to me. Yeah. Um beyond just delicious. Yeah. And then the Quinta de Naval, I mean, exactly. goodness, a $38 wine versus a $250 wine, not an easy feat for that little under 40 guy to be standing up to, but boy, did it did it pull its weight. It totally did. And I'm so again, I'm so happy that we that we had this wine on the podcast cuz again, I think like such great values from from Portugal and then, you know, I think mm-hmm. Turiga Nacional, obviously people know it as port, but you know, this beautiful dry wine today that we had is just stunning. Uh, and I, I wish that it is. more people would drink it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I, speaking of which, it's available on the site, right? It is on wineaccess.com. It is indeed. Um, and sometimes we feature wines like this on Instagram as well. So if you want to follow us at Wine Access. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, on Facebook at the Wine Access Experience. Yeah. I I feel like I need to buy both of these wines myself just so I can remember this moment uh, and just have it, you know, that's what wine is for, right? Like we open wines and we remember really exciting moments in our lives. And I think these are two wines that have to go in my cellar in perpetuity, uh, maybe for when the three of us meet in person. Um, with that, I will say if you enjoyed this podcast, we sure would appreciate a subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, which I hope you did, um, you know, please leave us a review. Tell us how you're liking it, what you want more of. And uh, until then, do follow us on Instagram. We are at Wine Access Unfiltered. On Instagram, we will be showcasing video clips of this podcast there and uh, on Twitter at Wine Access Pod. So thank you, Vanessa. It has been an incredible, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even going <laughs> to try to think how, how long that time frame was. I don't know, two hours or something. Um, it's been an, an incredible night. I really appreciate you being here. I will never forget it. And uh, until then, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>